Thank you. I want to thank you as a congregation um, for being such a, a great people. We love you. I know my colleagues and I, we, we, we love you to death. And we thank you so much. And, um, and uh, thank you for all your cards and notes and expressions of thanks and, and your likes. You know what I'm talking about? Your likes. Those are nice. And um, it's, uh, it's a, a great privilege to be here in, in Thanksgiving with, with you together. And, and um, you know, in a few moments, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. And I think I've told you this before, but <clears throat> it bears reminding you, just in case we forget, what the real, se- real sense of meaning is here when we come to the table of the Lord. I've told you before that it's... it's um, in, in kind of human terms for us to understand, it's a renewal of vows. And, you know, it, many of you understand what that is because it's, it's become kind of popular now to uh, somewhere in some sort of milestone in your marriage to uh, have a renewal of vows ceremony, right? And, and you come together and, and you, you promise and you say to each other, you know what, I'd, 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 if I had the chance, I'd marry you all over again, you know? That, that's, what, that's the idea, you know? I love you, I, I still love you, I still trust you, and, and uh, at least that's what you hope a renewal of vows turns out like, right? Otherwise, it'd be a very depressing uh, time. Um, it wouldn't be much of a renewal. But and that's, that's what, um, in reality, that's what the table of the Lord has been established by the Lord himself for us to keep reminding ourselves of what our vows are. Because the Lord God, he has saved us and he's not going back on that you know when the lord jesus christ came into your life and rescued you he he did it for good uh, permanently for all of eternity he's not going to go back on that Uh, we are the ones who have wayward hearts we're the ones who are are faithless when he is faithful and so we come together and at these at the table really what the lord is asking us all over again is is would you believe in me all over again with your heart would you trust in me all over do you trust me do you believe in me with all of your heart and um when we respond by participating in the elements we are in fact saying to the lord yes yes i do i i lord god i would I would embrace you all over again. I would receive you all over again. I trust you with all of my heart. And that's why I'm receiving these embl- the, the emblems of reminders, of the remembrance of what Christ has done for us. And, and we've been working our way through this series in discipleship. And, and we're, we're four sermons in. And I don't know if you've been counting or not, but we are four sermons into the characteristic or nature of, of what a disciple is. And, and the table of the Lord is all about disciples. This is for disciples. It's not for anybody else. It's for disciples because disciples can say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you with all of my heart. I thank you for saving me and rescuing me. That's what it's all about. And, and so I had, before I went away last weekend to, to New York, I had, had prepared the sermon for this Sunday that was um, the next in the series, the next in the agenda, the next in the schedule of, of, of who is a disciple. And, and it was going to be, well, it is. It's a pretty good sermon. I'll, you'll, I guess you'll hear it a couple weeks from now because you're not going to hear it today. And I'll tell you why. It was a sermon actually on, on, on the next, which, which you know is... Um, uh, the Lord says, my disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you have to love one another as Christ has loved you. That's where we were going to go. And you know, it was working out really good because you have communion and this theme, and it, it looked almost like, like I was clever, and I set it up all in the right timing, but, but I didn't set that up at all. I didn't really 
mark it out and say, oh, this will be communion and this will be Thanksgiving Day. This will all work out perfectly. But, but while, I was, while we were away last Sunday afternoon in the presence of God, because it was a worship service and it's always the presence of God in a worship service, God just put on my heart, you can't preach that sermon next week. It's like, what? I did all that work. And what do you mean? And, and it just was so heavy in my heart, you can't preach that sermon. They're not ready for that sermon. Because the love like Christ loves, you know, you got to be ready for that love. That's, that's, a, that's a whole other kind of love. And to love like Christ loves mean that, that you have to have really committed yourself to experiencing what it is to be a disciple. To really have embraced all that God has done for you. And so... God just put on my heart that while we've taught the right things and, and the information and the truth has been presented, that, that perhaps we have not really taken the time to trust in the Lord for His power to apply to our lives what we've already learned. And, and the sense that God has given to me is that, that we're, we're a congregation on the precipice of the promised land. You remember when, when God's people back in Numbers 11, 12 were standing there at, at the promised land and God says, I'm going to give you this land and it's, it's going to be good. And it is good because God had already been there. He knew what it was. He'd already prepared it for them. This is a good land. It flows with milk and honey. And, and uh, you know, the grapes there are so big that a cluster of grapes has to be carried by two guys. And, and uh, this is a good land for you. And you remember what the people did? They're like, we don't want to go there. We don't, we're afraid. We're, most, most of them anyway said, so we're afraid to go in there. And, and what, the picture that God gave me in my own heart in, in terms of our own congregation is that many of us are afraid to embrace the fullness of what disciple really is. And, and here we are as a congregation, and, and God is doing amazing things in our midst, and he's really moving in our hearts, and here we are standing at another place, a, another moment, a, a moment to determine... Uh, uh, the destiny that God has for us, and, and, and he's offering to us the spiritual promised land that flows with milk and honey, and, and, and there are good things of God there, and, and, and it, it's, it's predicated on the, 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 the willingness of your heart to say, yes, Lord, I want to be a full-out disciple I'm, I'm going to say yes to you, Lord. Listen, this is the promise that we're going to make a communion. And I, I really where I think this all came from is God's like, you can't do communion. You can't do one more communion with that congregation. And they'll make a renewal of vows and go through the ritual of, yes, Lord, we really believe you. We really trust you. We would receive you all over again. We, we, we're, we're for you, Lord, and all of that. When it's really just going through the motions. And maybe for many of us, we're, we're not really there. We haven't really stopped and even thought about what embracing what we've taught so far about disciple really means in your life. And so we just can't go any further. We just stop the agenda, stop the schedule. And, and I, for a, like a very few moments this morning, I want to go back and review with you by way of application where we've been. And I want you to keep this picture in mind because it, you remember there was another time when, when the people were, were standing uh, and Peter, the disciple, was preaching to them about the great things of God and about gos the gospel and salvation, about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and they called out to him, brothers, what must we do? And, and that, to me, that's, that's the issue this morning. 
brothers and sisters, before we come to this table one more time, what must we do? What, what must we apply in our lives from what we've already heard about the nature and characteristics of a disciple? And so um, you have in your bulletin uh, uh, a disciple, uh, disciples at the Lord's table, it's called. And, and it's the four applications that I want to make this morning as a reminder of where we've been and who we are. You remember that the first week when we launched on this, we landed at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus gave the Great Commission, and the Great Commission to his disciples, the Great Commission to us, the Great Commission to those who would come after. He said, go, therefore, into all the world, right? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey whatsoever things I've commanded you. But did you pick it up? Did we understand what we heard on that first Sunday as we understood about disciple? Disciple is first someone who's been baptized. A disciple responds to the truth, responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first act, the first response to that is to, is to identify with Jesus Christ through baptism. That's the first thing that happens. Now, I want to make sure we all understand baptism does not save us. But all disciples get baptized. In the Bible, those who came after and followed Jesus Christ were baptized as, a, as an identification that they are belonging to Christ. They identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a marker. That I am a disciple, and I'm declaring publicly that I'm a disciple. Being baptized does not make you a disciple, but all disciples are baptized. There is no evidence in the Bible of any follower of Jesus Christ ever that wasn't baptized, with the exception of one. You know who he was. Who was he? The thief on the cross. And he had an excuse for why he couldn't get baptized. He was going straight into glory. He didn't have time to be baptized. But there's no example ever in the scripture. And so this application, before we come to this Lord's table, before you come to another table, sitting out there this morning, claiming I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, have you been baptized? Are you coming to this table as a ritual, as a routine, but you've not identified with the Lord through baptism? That's the first response to those who claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, this baptism is not a baptism that was foisted on you by your parents. As well-meaning as that may have been. This is a baptism that is a conscious choice you have made somewhere in your life where you intersected with the Lord Jesus Christ, you personally received him as Lord and Savior, and then you were baptized. Baptism as an infant is not this baptism. Baptism is, this baptism is a baptism as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Have you applied that to your life? If, if the information is there, the truth is there, that's wonderful, but this is an application. You're standing there saying, no, that's too great a commitment. Jesus said, this is what disciples do. This is what disciples do. 
we um, followed that up by embarking on another text in Luke chapter 14, I think it was, and 33. You remember in that text, we learned this, that none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. A disciple in this disciples at the Lord's table kind of checklist we have here is, is a disciple applicationally gives up everything for Jesus. Now, I want to circle back here because we need to ask the question of, of the reality of discipleship. Does Jesus really mean this right now to me, to us? Well, you remember the rich young ruler came to him. And he said, Jesus, um, I have kept all of the commandments. I've been an incredibly moral person. I, I've really kept in step with all that, that someone who claims to know and love God would really do. So I, I want to I be, be one of your disciples. I'll be part of you. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you haven't done and you need to do. He said, I want you to go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. And of course, it says that he immediately embraced that, sold everything, and gave it to the poor, right? No, no, it says he had great wealth, many possessions, and he went away sad. And then Jesus says, unless you're willing to sell all of your possessions, you cannot be my disciple. Now, for most of us, Jesus will never ask us necessarily to sell all of our possessions. The question is, are all of your possessions available to Jesus? And, and quickly we would say, yes, yes, of course, he could ask me for anything and I'd give it to him. And then we'll plow up to the table and eat the bread, drink the cup, renew our vows with Jesus and go home having thrown five bucks in the offering plate. Most of us in here are not even willing on a weekly basis to give the Lord one-tenth of our possessions. You say, wait a second, that's, that's Old Testament Bible. Old Testament Bible. So as thou shalt not kill. That's Old Testament Bible. Are we all in favor of not killing? Where in the New Testament did the Lord Jesus ever look us in the face and say, you know what, disciples, you get a free ride. I don't, I don't want that 10% thing anymore. Jesus looked us in the face and said, I want everything you have. I think applicationally, and you know, we've, we've already, I've already been through this with you about, about us being willing to give everything to the Lord and be generous in our givings. And, and we waltzed up to the, the Lord's table uh, several months back and made this promise to the Lord, yes, yes, we're going we're gonna to change, Lord, change our hearts. Nothing's changed. Not in the department of giving. I think the Lord would be saying to us before we come up to another communion table is, if you're not willing to give me 
Why should I believe that you're willing to give me everything that you have? A disciple of Jesus Christ gives the Lord all of his possessions. You say, well, you know, if I were to give the Lord 10%, I would be in financial trouble. The Lord's already thought of that. He already knew you might say that. He said, test me in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour blessing upon you. No, Lord, no, the spiritual promised land, it takes too much. Listen, the Lord's already said to us, it's a land of fruit and flowing with milk and honey. See if I don't open up the heavens and pour blessings on you. I've done this before publicly, I'll do it again. The Lord has blessed me beyond anything I've ever done. Anything I've ever done for the Lord. So my disciple is baptized. My disciple gives me all of his possessions. Thirdly, we looked at a text. I better check it again. And it was willing to die. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. What does the text say? He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is, is not worthy of me. And he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. A disciple will die for Jesus. Do you believe that? You willing to stand up and say that? Yes, I'll die for Jesus. Peter, Peter was. Remember Peter, disciple Peter? He said, hey Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus says to him, Peter... You know, I love your excitement and enthusiasm, but before your alarm clock rings tomorrow morning, you will have disowned me three times. Jesus said, my disciples will die for me. So let me ask you, are you like Peter? You're really up front here on Sunday boldly identifying with Jesus Christ, you'll be willing to come to the table of renewal of vows and eat your bread and drink your cup. But on Monday, you go into hiding. You go to work and hope nobody, and I mean nobody, would ever think that you were a Christian. You disown him. You try to hide. Or maybe... The Lord Jesus Christ, instead of being your everything who you would die for, takes second or third or fourth place in your life on a regular basis. Whatever the kids have going, whatever's going on at work, whatever you, your recreational interests are, those are always in first place. Yet you will say, you come here in a renewal of vow day and say, yes, Jesus, I'm your disciple and I would die for you. Jesus is asking the question, not so much will you die for me, will you even live for me? So how is it? How is it, disciple? We looked at one more thing. John 8, 31, 32. 
Jesus saying to those who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son makes you free, you are really, really free. Are we believing this? Are we experiencing this? Are we practicing this? Freedom from sin I'm talking about. This is what, this is what has been granted to you at salvation. Once, formally, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. The way in which you used to live. And you couldn't get out of that enslavement to sin. But now Christ has saved you and has rescued you from the inclination, the desire you used to have to sin and now has, has caused you to desire to serve him and to love him. I mean, what, what causes sin in our lives? Isn't it boredom? Stress? Desires that are not the Lord? Or, or isn't it maybe some sense of a void that's unfulfilled in our lives isn't that what sin is all about it's it's i'm trying to fill my life in some other way i'm trying to 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 uh relieve the stress in my life some other way i'm i'm just simply bored and trying to find something to do listen what jesus says is this he or she who abides in my truth and knows the truth will be set free you'll be set free from your sin we're we're, we're running around looking for special ways to, to re be released from sin. We, we run to the latest book that's written and, and, and oogle over the latest author that tries to teach us how to get away from sin. Wait a minute, Jesus already said how we get away from sin. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And who Jesus sets free is free indeed. Do we believe that Jesus alone is our liberator from sin? Do we believe that? I mean, really believe that? Are we looking for the latest tactical manual on how to get a, get a release from sin? Or we're running around checking back or researching back in generations past. Listen, the Bible teaches Jesus that my disciples have been set free. That's what salvation is. And, and sanctification or growing is the same way of salvation. How you were saved, you will grow. Jesus, by his word, we, 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 um, we defeat stress by lifting up our voices in prayer. That's what the Bible says. We go to the Word of God and it says, be anxious for nothing. What does it say? But in everything with prayer and supplication, make your, your requests known to the Lord. That's God's Word. It sets us free. And Jesus empowers us when we are uh, practicing His Word. Boredom. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Turn and love him. We, we have a void that's unfulfilled in our lives. It won't be filled by some sort of sinful, uh, sinful behavior. The void that can be filled in our lives is a God-sized void. What we're longing for is Jesus Christ, and that's what salvation is. He says he's moved into our lives, and he wants to be our all in all. That's what disciples know. That's what disciples experience. That's what disciples practice. We replace lies with the truth. The truth sets us free. I just feel that, that we are not 
regularly willing to simply trust Jesus Christ, be his disciple and follow him. So, so there you have it. That's where we've been. And, and we're standing now here figuratively as a church. We're, we're, in, we're at another place where a line is drawn by the Lord. You know, you know when the Lord interrupts entire scheduling, it's an unusual thing. I mean, I want you to know that I seek the Lord every Sunday, for every Sunday. It's not... But when he stops this way and, and makes it so uh, powerfully impressed upon us that we need to stop, he's drawing a line. And I don't want one more of your communions. I want disciples. That's why I died for you. I died for you because I want disciples. I want disciples who are baptized. I want disciples who are willing to sell all of their possessions. I, I want disciples that will die for me. And I want disciples who know that sin is defeated by the truth of God's word and the power of Jesus. And those are the ones that I want to come to the table. So the only way that that would be able to be managed today is that we would give an offer to you to make application right here today. There's the list. Am I? Am I? Am I? If not, there isn't one single thing on that list that you can't do today. You can't start right now today. Say, Lord, you saved me. I know you saved me. I'm, I'm a disciple of yours, and there's an area in my life that needs to be dealt with before I come to the Lord's table. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to trust you today to make the change in my life that I need to make. And, and, and we're standing, you're standing now at the precipice of the spiritual promised land. Will you go in? Can we go in there together? All of us or not? Would you, would you stand to your feet, please? Until he comes. And Jesus is coming again. Amen. Maranatha, he's coming again. Hasn't God been good to us on this Thanksgiving Sunday? I don't think it gets much better than this when we gather and God works in our hearts and moves in our lives. And so let's just... Stand together as we close in prayer and give him great praise and thanksgiving. Lift up your hearts to the Lord. He's a good God and he loves you. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have demonstrated to us over and over and over again how much you love us. That you would, in a special way, choose to give a special message to this, your people here, because you love us. Lord, there were things you wanted us to do and, and you tenderly and kindly brought us together that we might be in this place that you might speak to us that the spirit of God might move our hearts and that great and mighty things might be accomplished now Lord I pray that the commitments that have been made by your disciples would be empowered and energized by your spirit for father we can't do this in our own strength 
We are called to be your disciples, but you have said this. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And it is because of that promise 